Your survival A team. Mild A team. For many of us, a team is a no-brainer. Our family is our survival team. For others, though, this is a decision, whether to try to make it on their own or join forces with others. There are advantages and disadvantages to a team, which also change depending on whether you have a mild, moderate or extreme emergency. Here are some for you to consider. Advantages. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. You can't be an expert on everything. Having an array of people who bring different, needed skills, is important. Some people just can't handle being alone. Can you? A sense of purpose. In combat, soldiers fight for each other, not for a cause. Being a member of a team can increase your motivation to get out of yourself and fight for the survival of those who you care about and are with you. In an extreme emergency, long-term survival will eventually depend on team building. In this scenario you often won't have much of a choice who you will ally with. Groups will form with different agendas. You have to evaluate your goals, and also whether you will be an asset to the team. What do you bring to the table? Disadvantages You make a larger target. It is indeed better to run away rather than fight. Your running away is limited by your slowest member. The only soldier I had to remove my A-team couldn't keep up with us in the field, carrying our extremely heavy combat load. You are also more likely to be discovered in an extreme survival situation as part of a team. You are letting others in on your survival plan. The lazy survivalist simply lets others prepare, then comes in and plunders. Will the other members of the team be prepared? If it's your family, it's your responsibility to get them ready since you are reading this. Will the members of the team actually pull their weight? To wait until a survival situation to evaluate team members is foolhardy. Security gets looser, the more people on the team. I call it the trust ripple effect. How many people do you trust? Trust with your life? How many people do they trust? In the move Contagion, as soon as the CDC character tells his wife about the outbreak and to get out of town, warning her to tell no one, what does she immediately do? Tell someone. As Ben Franklin said, three may keep a secret, if two of them are dead. In covert operations we tended to be very paranoid, but you're not paranoid if they are out to get you. Where to find survival 18 members? Most likely it will be your family. Think about last Thanksgiving. Do you really want to huddle in a hide site with those people? Joking. Not. In mild to moderate emergencies, you will want to gather your family and team members as quickly as possible. Other places to find potential survival buddies. Your friends. From your job. Actually, you should quietly evaluate your co-workers anyway, because the percentage of time you spend at work is the percentage chance an emergency or natural disaster will strike while you are among them. On 9 to 11 certain co-workers prove to be true lifesavers. Your church. Hunting and garden clubs. Two extremes here, but each brings something to the table. Those attending self-defense classes or survival workshops. Organizing your neighborhood slash workplace. This is particularly key in moderate emergencies. During natural disasters such as hurricane, flood, extreme weather, wildfire, etc. An organized neighborhood can be essential to survival. When I say neighborhood, I also mean your workplace. On 9-11, offices in the World Trade Center that were well organized and had emergency evacuation plans with designated personnel acting in key positions had much higher survival rates. Does your place of business have an emergency plan? Is it practiced? Remember in school when you had fire drills? Does your place of business have the same? One thing to ask yourself is what are the boundaries of a neighborhood? 
Realistically, you're looking at around 15 to 20 households. Larger than that and it can become unwieldy. Your neighborhood might already have such a team. If so, join it and find out how well organized and prepared they are. If not, then take it on yourself to start one. Usually your larger community will have resources to help you do this. Contact emergency services and the Red Cross and ask. Do you know who your neighbors are and what they do for a living? What special skills they have? That person you think is a nurse going off to work in her scrubs might actually be someone who works at a kennel washing dogs. Don't make assumptions. Inventory the neighborhood. Chainsaws. Winches. Four-wheel drive vehicles. CB and other radios. Water purifying systems. Where are all the natural gas meters and propane tanks? Who needs special help? Focus on the handicapped, the elderly, and children who might be home alone at periods of the day. Each household should have large placards made up with OK on one side and help on the other. Use fluorescent colored poster board available at your local supermarket. Have this stored near a front window under a rug. Display is needed. Determine where the neighborhood gathering site will be. People should go here before trying to run around and rescue others. Organization saves time and lives. Have a contact list tree of who alerts who. In the military we always had alert systems. This is a way of communicating so each person knows who they are responsible for contacting. Preparing the physically challenged. Keep on you a list of all medications, allergies, special equipment, along with the names and contact information of doctors, pharmacists and family members. Keep extra medications on hand. Keep emergency supplies within reach and if in a wheelchair, have a way to take them with you. Have a whistle to signal for help. During an emergency situation, have at least two people who you can count on to check on you. Make sure they know your special needs, how to operate any special equipment, what meds you take and the schedule, and where your emergency supplies are. If you evacuate your home, leave a message so those two people checking on you know you've left and where you are going. Preparing the elderly. Keep walking aids close by at all times. Have extra medications on hand. Put a security light in every room. These plug in and automatically go on if there is a loss of electricity. Have a whistle on hand. Have at least two people who will check on you. Pets. Yes, they actually sell pet survival kits. You laugh. You won't if you need to evacuate. The key to pet survival is what is good for you, is good for them, water, food, and shelter being key. If you evacuate, do not leave your pets behind. However, if you are going to a public shelter, Understand that pets might not be allowed inside. Do you have an alternative for them? Check hotels in the area to which you will evacuate and find which ones will accept pets under those conditions. Check with your local animal shelter and get their advice. At the absolute very least, set them free. Take pet food, bottled water, medications, tick and heartworm meds, vet records, cat litter slash pan, can opener, food dishes, water dishes, and any other supplies as needed. We use a large plastic container for our dog food and store the dishes and all their supplies inside, on top of the food. Keeping everything in one place makes it easy to grab it and go if needed. Make sure your pet ID tags are up to date with your current cell phone number and address. If evacuating, attach the evac destination on their collar with paper covered with clear tape or label maker. Make sure you have a current photo of your pet for identification purposes. Make sure you have a leash and collar to control your pet. Mild team communication. We rely on cell phones and the point has been made that they might be not be reliable. 
One thing to remember is that a text message has a greater chance of getting through than voice if the cell phone system is overwhelmed after a widespread disaster. Landlines have fallen out of favor with many people, but there are times a landline will work when cells won't. However, it is also reliant on the system to be intact. The internet is another common mode of information, but less reliable than cell phones since it requires both power and a connection. Of course, it's reliant on the system being viable. Twitter is an excellent early warning system with live reporting. However, also be aware that the internet is often full of bogus material. Two-way radios are an option for an A-team. Because they are FM, their range is limited. They are also half-duplex, which means you have one channel so you are either transmitting or receiving. Thus the use of the term over when you are done transmitting and release the transmit button. For picky people, you never say over and out because over means you are awaiting a response and out means you're done and not expecting a response. Most decent two-way FM radios have a range of about 2 miles but buildings and terrain can limit that as FM waves travel in straight lines. There are other two-way radios that claim much longer ranges using GMRS, General Mobile Radio Service, which is basically what CBs use. The issue with all these radios is battery life.